As you're turning there, I'm going to give you a heads up tonight. Last night, uh, after I went to bed, I was thinking about the verses of the last several nights, uh, talking about Jesus coming for the church, Jesus coming in rapture. And I was thinking last night, Lord, I'm ready for you to come. And I started praying, Lord, if you would come in the morning, if you'd come at sunup, uh, what a revival would be for Jesus to come and us be in heaven with him on the 21st night. And then as a thought struck me last night. If he were to come and Sarah was in Dallas, uh, it might take me too long to find her when I get to heaven. And so I thought, she needs to come home and we'll leave together. Uh, at the start of our service night, she surprised me and walked in. So here's the heads up. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. Cleared uh, to go to heaven tonight. In our study, Peter has been encouraging the church to stand. Really, that's what these two letters are about. It is an encouragement for the church to stand. Preach the gospel to the lost. Uphold the word of God in a world that's setting it down. Endure suffering in times of hardship. Be the voice of hope in a world that has no hope. And so he has been encouraging the church to stand. He has been stirring them up, telling them, it matters, it matters. In these days, it is necessary, it matters. Remember your duty. Well, in the midst of that, he comes to a peace that God has determined is vital to the effort. Now, listen, this, these are imperative things that we know that we do in the last days. Uh, but he, he comes to a peace that God has determined is vital to the effort. So vital that really in this short and high-powered letter, he makes space to address it. Now think about all the things that aren't in the letter, all the things that would be great information, great instruction. This is so vital that he actually makes room in the letter. And that piece is this. It is the office of pastor. It is the office of pastor. Now as soon as I say that, maybe you start to think, oh, well, I'm not that. Oh, well, that's, that's not for me. You may need that. Uh, but this maybe isn't for me. Well, friend, be sure it is for me. And I want to tell you tonight, in a big way tonight, it is also for you. Let me tell you something. Today, our world is in a raging mess for the simple reason it does not adhere to the Word of God. All the problems we see, all the chaos and trouble that we see goes back to the fact we have rejected the Word of God. Now, I believe that has happened because we have a failing today of the home. I said that a couple days ago. I believe that, is, that has gone into our culture because we have a failing in the home. And I believe it has happened because we have a failing in the church today. Today, people do not know the Word of God. Honestly, they do not care to know the Word of God. And the home is a mess because of it. And the church is a mess because of it. And I believe the main problem is we have a crisis in the office of pastor today. And so listen, if you're saying, well, this isn't for me, brother or sister, listen tonight, you couldn't be any more wrong. Dear God, give us godly pastors today. Tonight our message is entitled, The Sheep and the shepherd, the sheep 
and the shepherd. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, moving into the 5th chapter. Tonight, verses 1 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. The sheep and the shepherd. I'm going to ask you if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. God's word says this, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not in compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Verse 5, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this night. We're thankful for your grace and your kindness and your love shown to us. Lord, we come. We're thankful for a Savior, Jesus. We're thankful for hope tonight. We're thankful for peace settled in our Savior. Lord, I pray now as we become, as we come to study your word, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would lead us, that you would direct us. And I pray, Lord, that we would, we would take it in. We would be instructed tonight, that the church would be built and strengthened tonight. And all of it will be for your glory. Lord, I pray every, every time we meet, if there's somebody that doesn't know you, somebody that hasn't put their trust in Jesus as their Lord, their Savior, that in this night, that the hindrances will be removed, any distractions will be removed in the hearing of a risen Savior, that tonight they may trust you. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, the prophet tells Israel that it is in dire trouble because of its shepherds. You can read the account there. Uh, the, the, the nation is in great trouble because of its shepherds. In the 23rd chapter, there, there's an introduction in, in chapter 22, but in the 23rd chapter, Jeremiah reports that the shepherds are not announcing the word of God, but instead they are announcing what the nation wants to hear. So they're not bringing the message from God, they're just telling the people what they want to hear. He says, the shepherds don't care about the nation, they do not care about the sheep, but rather they're doing it for their own benefit. He says that the shepherds have found a way to get rich acting as shepherds. He says not only that, he says God didn't send these shepherds. He didn't send them, they, they took it upon themselves. And so they're not sent by God. He says these shepherds, they do not know the word of God. Now not only do they not know the word of God, they are stealing the words of other false shepherds. Friends, I want to tell you something. Tonight, that is our day. That is the day that we're living in. If you had a couple hours, I could tell you all about it. That is the day that we're living in today. And the, the church and the home and the culture and the world are suffering because we are missing godly shepherds Today, I believe that's the root of it. They are suffering. We are suffering because we're missing godly shepherds today. So, what is the remedy? We're sitting here, you're saying, hey, what is the remedy? Here's the remedy. Go back to the word of God. 
And all of our problems go back to the Word of God. And this issue, the remedy, is to go back to the Word of God. Let God lead us in this matter. Let God instruct us in this matter. So here we go tonight to the verses, starting in chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Let me read that again. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Now, Peter has just said in the preceding verses that the church must be ready. There's, there's not time to waste. There's not time uh, to be misdirected. The church must be ready. That's what he says in the preceding chapter. The time is now for the church to be prepared. Then he starts off this chapter, therefore. It's time for the church to be ready. It's time for the church to be prepared. Therefore, I exhort. It means to call for. I call for it even can be so strong as to be, I beg. As we're in this situation, I beg, I call for the elders among you. Now understand, he is writing, we know this letter, to this area. Uh, not just to one city, not just to one town, but to several cities, to several towns. Really, it's to this entire region. And so understand, there will be numerous churches there in the region. And so to the, to the churches in the region, he says, and the elders among you, in the midst of the recipients of the letter, the elders among you. The word elder is the Greek word presbyteros. Presbyteros. It is one of three words interchanged in the New Testament for the office of pastor. Now listen, this is all very important. In the New Testament, when it refers to this office, we find there are three words that are interchanged. Remember, there are two offices in the New Testament church assigned by God, described by God, the office of pastor and the office of deacon. Well, there are three words that are interchanged to describe the New Testament office of pastor. Again, elder, presbyteros, overseer, episkopos, and shepherd. That is pastor, pastoral, shepherd. Now understand tonight, this is referring to God's authoritative leader in the local church. Okay, so there are several titles, three of them, to describe the one office. The one office is God's authoritative leader in the local church. Now, I want you to see this tonight, understand this. The local church looks like this. The local church has a head, and the head of the local church is Jesus. Be sure, there's not two heads, there's not five heads, there's not a committee. The head of the local church is Jesus himself. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the great shepherd of the church. And then, here's what the church looks like. It has an under-shepherd, and that is the office of pastor. Now, the under-shepherd, the pastor, he operates under the headship of Jesus and leads the local church. 
Now, before we move on from here, let me tell you a couple things about this office. Elder, overseer, shepherd, pastor. Let me tell you a couple things. There seems to be a lot of misunderstanding in our day. The first thing we need to understand is this. The pastor is ordained by God. The pastor is ordained by God. Now, what that means is God calls and God ordains the pastor of the church. Listen, here's what that is. Not anybody is a pastor. Not everybody is a pastor. We do not choose who that we will make a pastor. Sometimes you watch in the church and somebody gets saved and they get committed to the church and they get excited about Jesus Christ and they get excited about the word of God and they spend a little time doing that and a bunch of folks will say, well, you ought to be a pastor. You look like a pastor. Understand tonight, God is the one who ordains pastors. God is the one who calls pastors. Not everybody's a pastor. Not anybody is a pastor. Listen very carefully tonight, friend. We should be very careful. We should be very careful who we call pastor. And if God hasn't called them to be pastor, we should not as well. And that's, that's the matter of the fact. Uh, I'll, I'll just tell you tonight, the, the truth is today, we've got too many people leading churches, filling pulpits in churches, standing in the office of pastor that God never called as a pastor. And I don't know why that happens. There's several reasons that could happen. But there's a whole lot of folks standing in the office of pastor that God never called as a pastor. And for that very reason, the church is a mess. And so understand tonight, God calls the pastor. God ordains the pastor. All right, let's go to the second thing. The first thing is this, the pastor is ordained by God. Second thing is this, the pastor is gifted by God. The pastor is gifted by God. To be a pastor requires a specific gifting. And God is the one that gifts the pastor for service. Now, there are many skills that might be helpful. There is much knowledge that would be useful. But the gifts of the pastor is that of preacher, teacher. Now, I want you to stay with me. There's a lot of things that will be useful. There's a lot of information that might help along the way. But the gifting of the pastor, the gift of the pastor is that of preacher, teacher. Now, what that means is the God-given ability to communicate the Word of God in a way that is understandable, that is accessible, and that is attractive. That is the gifting that God gives to this office. God gifts them for this calling. Let me give you a tip tonight. If someone is called pastor and yet does not have the gifting of a pastor, they are not the pastor. And I, 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 maybe that's a way to understand who's a pastor and who's not. But listen, God supernaturally enables them. God supernaturally empowers them. And so if a person is standing as the pastor, and yet they do not have the gifting of a pastor, they can't communicate the word of God in a way that is understandable, in a way that is accessible and attractive, they are not the pastor. Third thing, 
Pastors ordained by God. Third th second thing, they are gifted by God. Third thing is this, they are empowered by God. They are empowered by God. Get this. God has chosen to use pastors to lead his church. And that's, that's, that's a mind-blowing thing. That's an awesome thing. That is his plan. How is he going to direct the church? How is he going to lead the church, these local churches? He has chosen to lead the church through a pastor. And so because of that, God empowers that pastor. Tonight, I'm going I'm to say some things very simply tonight because I can, and they need to be heard. I'm going to tell you some things about this office, and it needs to be heard. Folks, listen to me tonight. The world today, and, it, and I think for all time, but especially in our day, it wants to make normal the office of pastor. The world today wants to make insignificant the office of pastor. That's what the world wants to do. The world today, listen to me, be sure of this, the world wants to belittle and discredit the office of pastor. We don't need that. Anybody can do that. And the world wants to belittle and discredit the office of pastor. Well, you listen to me and be very sure. A godly, committed, Christ-honoring pastor is no normal thing, is no insignificant thing. It is an awesome, God-ordained, God-gifted, God-empowered offering of grace to the local church. It's not a small thing. It's not an insignificant thing. It's not a, a, a meaningless thing. Listen to this. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. The elders, it's the exact same word, the pastor, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Paul writes that to Timothy. The elders, the pastors who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. I'm going to take a side note here for just a second. You want to know the primary way that a preacher leads a church, a pastor leads a church? You want to know how they direct a church? You want to know how they move a church along? You want to know the primary way that the preacher, the pastor, comforts a church? Do you want to know the primary way that the, the, the pastor convicts and corrects the church? Listen, it is in the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Sometimes we get this list, well, we want an administrator. Well, we want this, we want that, we want this. Listen, the office is a preacher-teacher of the Word of God, and that's how God instructs His church. That's a big thing. So understand tonight, this is a call for pastors. Peter says in the verse, and he is one. Let me read the rest of the verse. As your fellow elder in witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Here, here's what Peter says. He also is a pastor. He's calling them as pastors, but not as somebody that can't relate, but also as a pastor. Now he says, now imagine this, he not only is a pastor, but he is a pastor who saw the suffering of Christ. Can you imagine that? He was there in the garden. He was there in the courtyard. 
Can you imagine that? He was there at the, at the resurrection. So he's a pastor that saw the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He says not only that, he, like them, is awaiting the coming of Jesus. He's also waiting for the coming of Jesus. Now, Peter then gives these pastors three charges. And so tonight we have three charges the pastor needs to know and three charges, therefore, the flock needs to know as well. So he's going to give these three charges there for the pastors to know. But listen, we would do well for the flock to know them as well. Verse 2 starts off and it says this, Shepherd the flock of God among you. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Now there's a, a huge understanding in this word. There's a marvelous, uh, wise picture in this word. Shepherd the flock. The word shepherd, it is pastoral. It literally means this, tend to the herd. Now, see this, this is God's picture. Here's, here's the truth. Sheep are odd. Now, there's, there's odd animals, but sheep are odd. Sheep will overeat in an area until they run out of food. It's like the golden corral. Sheep will go to an area, and they don't, they don't hey, it's getting short. Hey, we might, we might want to save some for later. They'll go to an area, and they'll eat, and they'll eat, and they'll eat until they run out of food. The sheep will not only do that, they will put their head down as they are eating, and here's what they'll do. They'll not worry about the things around them. They'll not worry about the dangers they're getting into, and they will drift off and not come back. Now, now I might get to eat and, and drift off, but I always come back. They start eating, they get their head down, and they become a lost sheep. Now, not only that, the sheep are vulnerable to every animal of prey. Think about a sheep. Big claws, nope. Sharp teeth, nope. They really have no real defense. And so here's the thing about the sheep. They have to be led to the food and fed. They have to be led to the water. They have to be cleaned up. They have to be sheared. They have to be put in their pen at night. They have to be protected at all times. They have to be watched and guarded at all times. And God calls his church the flock. These are his words. This is his picture. The, the, the church is the flock of God. And so he assigns the shepherd the care of the flock. Now, there's three ways this takes place. In these verses, we're going to see the positive call, and then we're going to see the negative form of that, the opposite of that. All right, let me read verses 2 and 3 together. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. All right, three things they do. Here's what the shepherd ought to do. The sheep ought to expect this. The first thing is this. They oversee. They oversee. It, it translates to look over, to lead. It most literally translates to intently care for, to intently care for. 
And so the positive thing that the shepherd's supposed to do, they're supposed to care for the sheep. They're supposed to oversee the sheep. Now, the, the negative side of that is this, but not in compulsion, but not in compulsion. Now, that means not unwillingly or not by constraint. They're to do it willingly. That's what it says, voluntarily. And so the shepherd oversees the flock, but not by force. Here's what I want you to see. The shepherd shepherds the flock because that's what shepherds do. And, I, and that's the matter of the fact of it. The shepherd shepherds the flock because that's what shepherds do. And so if the shepherd is not overseeing, or if the shepherd is not shepherding, or if the shepherd has to be forced to shepherd, that's not how that works. That's what the Bible says. Pastors, the dangers are real. The troubles are many. The threats are great. And so Peter says, your job is to oversee the sheep. The next thing we see is this. According to the will of God. This is a big thing. According to the will of God. That's the positive thing. Do it according to the will of God. See this. The pastor leads the church. That's not popular. Some folks want to disagree with that. Some folks have a different system. The pastor leads the church. The church does not lead the pastor. The sheep do not come in and say, well, shepherd, today we're going to go here. Well, shepherd, this is what I've got planned for us. That's not the picture. The church does not lead the pastor. The pastor leads the church, but the Lord leads the pastor. See how that works? You see, if you disconnect that, you got problems. The pastor, yes, leads the church. That is God's wise plan. But listen to me, the Lord leads the pastor. Do you know God's pastor is to discern the will of God for that local church and to lead accordingly? Now, I want you to think about that. All those folks, all those different personalities, Here's the mission of Christ given to the church. That pastor is to discern the will of God and lead accordingly. Do you know how big that is? The Bible actually says that pastor will give an account to God for how they lead. And I think about that sometimes. That's huge. Do you know who's going to give an account? Not, not a committee. Not a whole bunch of folks that had good ideas. Not, a, not an advice box in the back. You know who's going to give an account? The one that God called and placed as pastor. That person will give an account before God for how they led his church. Friends, listen to me. There is only one mouth that the pastor had better listen to, and it better be the voice of God. There's a lot of mouths that would like to say a thing or two, like to direct a, a, a direction or two, but there's only one mouth that the pastor better listen to, and that is the voice of God. It is not public opinion. It is not popular thought. It's not even the wish of the majority. The church is led by Jesus, and it is his voice that the pastor heeds. According to the will of God is what it says. That's the positive thing. You lead according to the will of God. Now, here's the negative thing. It says not for sordid gain. Not for sordid gain. Here's what I'll tell you. If this is a job, there's a problem here. 
If your pastor's got that spot because it's a job and it's a good job and they're, they're building a retirement in it, if this is a job, there's a problem here. If there are ulterior motives, let me tell you, there is a problem there. If there is self-promotion for the reason of, of self-gain, there is a problem there. It says, but with eagerness. Now, I like this word. It's a great word. But with eagerness, not sordid gain, not compelled, but with eagerness. It, it translates this. Ready mind with passion. And I, I think if you got one of those without the other, you might have a train wreck on your hand. You, you got passion, but no mind behind it. Or you got a mind, but no passion. You're not going anywhere. But the words are together, a ready mind with passion. Here, here's the reality. A pastor called by God, gifted by God, empowered by God, you don't have to tell them to get to work. You, you, don't, have to, you don't have to come along and say, oh, the, the sheep are hungry. Did you not know? You don't have to come and say, oh, the sheep are all out on the street out there. Did you not know? Because listen to me, a true pastor won't want to do anything else. It is the passion of their heart. Third thing, it says this. Here's the positive. Proving to be an example. This is a big deal. Proving to be an example. Here's what I want to tell you. The flock witnesses as does the shepherd. And, and you, you can pass out brochures and you can do this and you can do that and you can have classes. But I want to tell you when it comes down to it, the flock witnesses as does the shepherd. And the flock prays, as does the shepherd. And the flock loves the word of God, as does the shepherd. And the flock serves, as does the shepherd. And the flock becomes passionate, as is the shepherd. God tells us the shepherd leads out. That's what a true leader is. That's what a godly leader is. Doesn't just have a bunch of words, it leads out. The shepherd is an example, that is the positive. And then here's the negative, but not lording it over them. That is, that is the negative, but not lording it over them. It means overpowering them. That's not how it works. Verses 2 and 3 again. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving examples to the flock. All right. So what's in it for the pastor? What's in it for the pastor? Here's the calling. Here's the empowerment. Here's the duty. What's in it for the pastor? It's not for sordid gain. It's not... For a position of power, it says that you're not building a power base. Peter knows as he writes this, as Christians suffer, as the church suffers, the leaders are going to lead off in that as well. They're going to probably take the brunt of the attack, maybe the, the first wave of the attack. And so the question is, what's in it for the pastor? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 says this. For the Lord is not unjust. So as to forget your work or the love which you have shown toward his name. 
and having ministered and still ministering to the saints. All right, let's look at verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. What it means is this. For the faithful pastor, Jesus knows. And Jesus sees and Jesus cares. And I, I want to tell you how there's a word here that I like. And maybe a word we haven't noticed, but I want to tell you about this word. Here's the word. Maybe you've heard Jesus called the great shepherd. He is. Maybe you've heard him called the good shepherd, and he is. Maybe you've heard him referred to as the kind shepherd, and he is. But I want you to notice something. And here in this verse, it's not any of those three things. It says this, the chief shepherd, the chief shepherd. Now, here's what that means. Listen to me very carefully. For any shepherd who serves, for any shepherd who loves, for any shepherd who stands, for any shepherd that's out in the cold with the sheep, that's out in the hot with the sheep, for any shepherd that stands on the word of God carefully, daily feeding the sheep, Jesus is the chief shepherd. Let me tell you what that means is. He's the shepherd of the shepherds. He's the shepherd of the shepherds. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. First part of verse 5. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders. Sometimes misunderstood. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders. Now just like elders, not speaking of age but position, we're not switching around the definitions here. The, the word elder is the same in both places. Just like elder is not speaking of age, but position, younger is not talking about age, but also position. And so it says to all those that are hearing this, all these that are reading the letter, to the sheep, to the flock, it says be subject to your elder. Be subject to your pastor. The word for subject means this, be under. Be under it. It literally means this. Follow them. Follow them. The direction for the sheep, for the flock is this. Don't rail against the under shepherd. Don't undermine the under shepherd. Don't go in another direction because you think it's a better direction and take a bunch of sheep in that direction. No. In God's order, in God's plan, as the pastor seeks the will of God, as he submits to the will of God, you follow them. That's what it means. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey, don't like that word. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Same word, get under them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Well, isn't there a check and balance? What if I don't like it? As one who gives an account, they answer to Christ. Verse 4 in that same section says this, Let them do this with joy and not grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Here's the section tonight. The shepherd and the sheep, we serve together for the glory of Christ. Different roles, yes. Different gifting, yes. The shepherd and the sheep, 
We serve together for the glory of Christ. Tonight, for the shepherd and for the sheep, God has spoken and the truth matters. Let's pray. During Father, we come now, we praise you for your direction, for our church, for the church. We're thankful for your leadership that you give us the offer of the office of pastor. Lord, I pray for pastors that are humble enough to seek you, that are, that are bold enough to preach your word, that are convicted enough to preach the gospel of salvation only through Jesus Christ. I pray for pastors who stay with the sheep, that care for the sheep, that feed and tend to the sheep. And Lord, I pray for flocks that see your order, that submit to the direction of Christ as passed through the pastor of the local church. And I pray that in that, that there will be great blessing. I pray that in that, there will be a movement of Christ. I pray that in that, the gospel of Jesus Christ would go out and all of it would be for your glory. Lord, I pray that all of this we would understand is that people would hear of our Savior, that people would hear the good news of a risen Savior. Lord, I pray they hear it this very night. Lord, we thank you for our Savior, for our, for our salvation of no work that we've done, but, but in your grace through faith in Jesus. Lord, I pray that tonight has made an impact, that it continues to make an impact. And I pray if there's some or one or many that do not know you, I pray that tonight, this very night, that they would trust you, that they would turn to you and receive you in faith. We love you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response a time of invitation. And I, I want to tell you that as we read these things, God has a plan and God is specific for a reason that folks would find Jesus Christ, that the gospel would go out. I want to tell you the good news tonight is this. We have a Savior. We have a God that loves us, knows us, sees us, and in his compassion toward us as sinners. While we were yet sinners, he sends his only begotten son. And the truth of our gospel is this. If you'll turn from your sin if you'll repent and turn away from it and turn to him, he'll save you tonight. That is our good news. That is our promise tonight. If you'll turn to Jesus, he'll save you tonight. If you've never done that, do it tonight. If you need more information, you come, let's settle that tonight. If you'll turn to Jesus, he'll save you tonight. Maybe you're here and you'd say, I'm hearing this. I'm getting stirred up. I have the word of God going in all these nights and I want to be useful. You know what? As we saw last night, God has gifted you. God has prepared you for service us together. And maybe your response now I say, God, show me what to do. Show me where to be useful. Show me where to be used. And he will bless that. Maybe that's your prayer tonight as well. I'm going to ask that we would stand. And as we begin to sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out and you come on.